Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. So today we continue from where we left off. Uh, Jacob had was about to flee because his brother was looking for him. His brother Esau wanted to kill him. Um, so as usual, we just look through some portions of scripture in the book of Genesis as we just try and get the gist of the message. And today we are looking at Genesis 28. Um, we, we'll start from 28 and go through other chapters, but uh, 28 verse 1 and 2, it says, at this point, Isaac has learned that his son Jacob is about to flee. So he calls him and says, uh, so Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he com commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there, among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So Isaac knew that God's promise was to be fulfilled through the son, his son, Jacob. So uh, in order to become a father of many nations, you need a wife. Point to note. So uh, he, was, he was given directions on where to go able to get a wife. So the promise that God gave to Abraham, we saw him renewing it with Isaac and now it comes to Jacob. And in the same chapter, verse 13 to 15, it says that there above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So God renews the promise once again. We see the third time now. Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. And he reminds them that God is just using their family, but the intention is to bless the whole earth, the entire earth, all peoples on earth. And I believe this is the point at which Jacob became a believer. I believe this is the point at which uh, he came to the faith. Because if you look at verse 20 to 22, it says that Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, I will and, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So this is the point where Jacob actually got to the point of coming to the faith and making God his God. As we saw previously, they were idol worshippers all around. And so he committed himself God. So fast forward, Jacob arrives in this place called Padan Aram, Padan Aram, and he sees Rachel and is totally smitten, smitten completely, completely. So uh, to cut the long story short, Rachel invites Jacob to meet his father, Laban, and uh, Jacob ends up uh, being an employee of Laban. So during the interview, he's asked, how much do you want? <laughs> and he says, I'll work for you for seven years. I just want Rachel. Seven years, I just want Rachel. 
So the, the contract was signed and he began uh, probation and yeah. <laughs> but one thing we learn from the Bible, there's a portion that tells us that you reap what you and Jacob was a deceiver. We've seen that. He deceived his father, he deceived his brother. Jacob was a deceiver. And we see it happening to him. In the book of uh, chapter 29, verse 21 says, this is at the point, uh, seven years have passed, so he's ready. He's ready to receive his payment. So Jacob, Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. Uh oh. Not Rachel, Leah. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave uh, his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. And I want to believe, uh, I know I'm wrong, but I want to believe this is a point humanity decided we need to invent the light bulb. Because at night, <laughs> in the morning, you discover this is a different person. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Laban felt cheated, but remember, he was a deceiver, so he's just reaping what he sowed. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Seven years of work, another seven years of work, 14. Najamali Ali, he went on. So that shows you how much he loved Rachel. So later in the story, and I'll urge you just to read the book of Genesis, maybe those going through the Bible, you've done it, but the book of Genesis, you'll just unearth so many things from it. Even if you do a chapter a day in two months, you'll, you'll, you'll be done with it. Later in the story, Laban deceives Jacob again and changes his salos ten times. And you see, when someone complains, you're changing my salary. It's never upwards. That's not a complaint. <laughs> yeah? So his salary was being changed all the time. So he's just reaping what pretty much he's been sowing. Then last week we mentioned the patterns that were emerging uh, in, in Isaac's life. But guess what? They emerge again in Jacob's life because we see barrenness and favoritism. If we look at verse 31 of Genesis 29, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, that goes to show you that there was a favorite already. Jacob's favorite was Rachel. Uh, the Bible says that Leah probably was not so easy on the eye for, for Jacob, and clearly he did not love her. So already we are seeing favoritism. So it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Barrenness comes in again. This is the third time we're seeing it. Sarah, uh, Rebecca, now uh, Rachel. In as much as eventually Rachel does, uh, is able to bear children, this whole episode is just messy. This, this is the third week, so it's like season three of telenovela. Yeah? It's just been messy. Yeah? Leah was not loved. Rachel was filled with jealousy because 
of her barrenness and it brought a lot of strife in her relationship with her husband uh, Jacob. And as we saw with Abraham and Sarah, Leah and Rachel, the two wives, gave over their servant girls to Jacob as wives or as surrogates. So you can see it's repeating itself again. Because at some point Leah also was not able to uh, give birth. Yeah? Leave alone the, the wives. When it came to the children, Jacob was blessed with many children. Yes, 12, 12 sons and a daughter. Yeah? But he had a favorite. And his name was Joseph. And we'll come to this uh, a bit later. Uh, in fact, verse 3 of Genesis 37 says, Now Israel loved Joseph. Israel was Jacob's name. We'll come to that. His name is changed by God. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. So we've seen barrenness, we've seen favoritism coming back again. Lies. Lies, lies, lies. Because we, we read last week how he deceived his father, how he deceived uh, his brother. So anyway, fast forward two decades after he went to Padanaram, uh, he gets into a disagreement with his father and father in law. You can tell they, they did not have a very good relationship. Uh, maybe don't mix business with family. Maybe. <laughs> so you can see his salary is changing all the time and he's being shortchanged. So they got in a bit of disagreement and Jacob ended up doing what he does best when he's in trouble. Who can guess what that is? Hmm? Apart from deceiving. Yes. He, he flees. He runs away. That's what he knows how to do best when he's in problems. Get out of this. If I cannot de deceive you, let me just get out of this place. Yeah? <laughs> but the good thing is that this time, because he knew the Lord, the Lord was with him. Genesis 31, verse 1. I mean, verse 3 says, Then the Lord says to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers, and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So God has promised that he will be with Jacob as he goes back. And as though this family did not have enough issues, barrenness, lies, uh, jealousy, favoritism, Rachel, the beloved, stole from her own father. We are told in Genesis 31, 19, when Laban had gone to share his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Let's not even go to the fact that they were, they were even idol worshippers in that family. Yeah? So it was a really dysfunctional, twisted family. But God still chose to use them and he kept his promise. Today I want us to focus a bit on chapter 32, especially the second part. But we'll, let's just begin from, from the first part, but the highlight really is in the second part of chapter 32. So he's preparing to go back uh, to, be, to his family, to where he came from. Uh, verse 1 and 2 of Genesis 32 says, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. How do you know that God is with you more than when you can even see the angels that are protecting you? And he called that place Mahanaim, which means two camps. So there was Jacob's family and there were the angels. As in, when you have such backing, you can, you can go anywhere, right? You can achieve anything. 
you can you have nothing to worry about right wrong <laughs> jacob remembers the reason he got away from where he's been told to go back remember he got away because his brother wanted to to kill him and he's been told to go back and i think this just rem- jacob reminded me of myself because i worry a lot he forgot about god giving him angels and protecting him and he started panicking he started panicking verse 7 says in great fear and distress jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups and the the flocks and the herds and the camels as well he thought if esau comes and attacks one group the group that is left may escape but i love how verse 9 begins it begins with the words then jacob prayed so in that moment jacob went through three p's he panicked number one he told in great fear and distress he panicked number two he planned because now he started dividing up he's a schemer so he always has a solution so you guys tutafanya hivi niendeni hivi niendeni hivi yeah so he planned then he prayed why is it that we run to god when all else fails is our last option why is it why can't it be the other way around and 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 probably uh, because he really feared his brother eso probably the fourth p would be he was panicked and he peed on himself <laughs> but why is it that we don't run to god with our problems i remember someone saying that many people don't like coming to her for advice because the first question she asks is have you prayed about it and probably that is not the advice you want to receive but that is very crucial last week we saw that god is inviting us god wants us to invite him into our situations and if we do not invite him guess what we learn a lesson the hard way so let us learn from this that we should go to god in prayer when we pray to god god will help us come up with a master plan that will work and our panic will be taken over by faith because we will be convinced of what god is doing amen so eventually um, jacob invited god into the situation verse 9 says then jacob prayed oh god of my father abraham god of my father isaac lord you who say to me go back to your country and your relatives and i will make you prosper i am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant i had only my staff you kijiti i had only my staff when i crossed this jordan but now i have come back i've become two camps save me i pray from the hand of my brother esau for i am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children but you have said i will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea which cannot be counted jacob unearthed a powerful secret which i i want us to be able to learn from jacob prayed the promises jacob prayed the promises he tells god you who say to me go back to your country and your relatives and i will make you prosper again he said but you have said i will surely make you prosper and i will make your descendants like the sand of the sea which cannot be counted and we say that there are so many promises for us in the bible if you don't know how to pray open the bible when you get a promise let that be a prayer but why is jacob 
reminding God? Is it that God forgets? Is it that God forgets that he needs to be reminded? Of course not. God does not forget. A gentleman by the name George Muller says, when we pray, we must argue with God, not to convince him, but to convince ourselves. Because when we pray the promises and argue our case, our faith begins to be built. As we argue our case to God, we start to become convinced. So it's a work in us. When we pray these promises, it's not God we are trying to remind. No. When God says it, he will do it. But for us to build our faith, it's actually for us when we pray that our faith is built up and we are convinced that God is not only able to do it, but he's willing to do it and he will do it. So, when we look at verse 22, from verse 22 actually, to me, this is one of the strangest portions of scripture. However, it's also one of the most powerful uh, portions of scripture ever read. And I pray that even as we read that God will just give us a revelation corporately and even as individuals in what he wants to, us to learn from it. Verse 22 says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. That's so random. And when we read further, you will discover that this man was actually God. God in the form of man who came to wrestle Jacob, which now is really puzzling. Yeah? So Jacob wrestled with God, who appeared in the form of man. But what can we learn from this? Recall, Jacob, as he was growing up, I think the thing he craved for the most, he desired, was a bit of affirmation from his father and blessing from his father. And you can see that he really struggled with that. Probably he had low self-esteem because the twin brother was, you know, a, a proper man. Uh, you were told the name Esau means hairy. So he had <laughs> hair everywhere. <laughs> he, was, he was manly and all. And over and above that, he was the father's favorite. Yeah? Jacob was just a mommy's boy. So probably he felt I needed to overcompensate so that my father notices me. And that's why he ends up even deceiving the father. Because the one thing he really wanted was that blessing and affirmation from the dad. But once he gets it, I think he realizes that that void I had is still there. I still have it. And I think it should be a lesson to us because I'm sure in our lives at one point or another, we've tried to fill a certain void either with things or with people or with someone and we end up getting disappointed because human beings will always disappoint us we'll disappoint others others will disappoint us whatever possession you have it will not give you that comfort that satisfaction i mean i know we pray prayers if only i had a job if only i had a job you get your job if only my salary was a bit higher after yes, you've only had another job. So let's not look for things that will fill that void that only God can fill. And I think that is what Jacob discovered after all that trying to deceive the father and to get 
uh, his blessing. Verse 25 says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, and the man, when they say the man, of course, it's God, when God saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. This thing is just becoming more complex. How can God not overpower Jacob? Does that make sense? I'm a Lemeo, as in Jacob. How does that happen? But I think as a parent, you will recall when you have your little ones, you can play wrestle with them and make them feel like they've won. Like I, I do a lot of arm wrestling with my daughter and I feel, ah, Umenishinda, you know? But what it does, it really takes the bonding to another level. It makes us so close one to another. And I believe this is what God, because you cannot say God, Alishindwana Jacob. That is not, of course. It actually enhances that bond between a parent and a child. However, it says that he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. He, basically, Jacob's hip became dislocated. I don't know whether you've dislocated anything, but it's a lot of pain. A lot, a lot of pain. Yeah? Verse 26, then the man, this is God, says, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob understood this is the blessing that satisfies. And I don't know whether when you're in pain like Jacob was in your day-to-day -day life, do you, do, do you run away from God or do you cling to God like Jacob said, I'm not letting you go. Because he knew whatever I'm going through right now, I'd rather have God on my side than go through it without God on my side. And Jacob clung to God and said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. You know, following God is not a bed of roses. Actually, maybe it is. Because it's beautiful, but there are thorns. There are thorns in it. Yeah? But God has promised us never to leave us, never to forsake us. If you look at all the conquests of the Israelites in the Bible, it was not because they were greater than the other nations, but it's because God was with them that they were able to defeat their enemies, that they were able to conquer others and take territory. So that is the difference. Verse 27, God asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Jacob was being given a second chance to redeem himself. If you remember, when he went to his dad, they had skimmed with the mother, cooked some nice meat, uh, and made us leave Zambuzi. <laughs> to go to his father. At that point, the dad was blind, was old and blind. And he even wore Esau's clothes. The dad asked him, who are you? What did he say? He said Esau, he did not say Jacob, he lied. So God is giving him another chance to make it right. And Jacob did, does, he answers that he, I am Jacob. Our God is a God of second chances. God has, if God has promised us, he always gives us second chances. Amen. Verse 28 says, the, the God says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Previously, we saw that when God changes your name, he's establishing a new identity. It happened with Abraham. 
it happened with Sarah, their identities were changed, and that was their destiny. And the same thing that is happening to Jacob. The name Jacob means a supplanter, a hill snatcher, as he was being born. He was holding onto the heel of his brother <laughs> from the mother's womb. So he's like, he's like a con man, basically, this guy, a schemer. Okay, I wanted to use a hustler, but it can be taken in the wrong way. <laughs> Let's just say, <laughs> his name was changed to Israel. And Israel, in a nutshell, means governed by God. Governed by God. It says that you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. That is the difference, and have overcome. And there will always be struggles. But you and I shall overcome because we are governed by God. Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. And I understand even the Jews up to today do not eat uh, that part. So Jacob received the blessing of God, the one that truly satisfies. Uh, there's a certain phrase I've ever had been mentioned before. It sounds nice. It says that Jacob encountered God and his walk was never the same. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> It sounds inspirational, but at the back of my mind, I've always wondered, why did God not restore yeah. Isaac? I mean, he walked like that for the rest of his life, and it always puzzled me. But by God dislocating it, he dealt with one thing in Jacob's life, the one thing that Jacob does when he traveled or in conflict. This guy could not flee now. Guy could not flee, yeah, and probably he now had to use the staff to support him. Probably that is showing him that the way you are relying on that staff is the way you have to rely on me, God, to take you through your life from this point on. No more scheming, no more deceiving other people, no more conning your brothers, but rely on me and rely on your word rather than fleeing. John 5. I won't, I won't read it, but John 5 introduces us to the story of uh, a cripple at the pool of Bethesda. So basically, what used to happen, uh, there's this pool, uh, there was this belief that if an angel comes and stars the pool, whoever is disabled, the first person to jump in will be healed. So you have the blind, you have the, the, the crippled, and so on and so forth. So there was this cripple who was there, and he had been crippled for 38 years. Now Jesus appears and asks him, do you want to get well? So the guy like, dude. <laughs> As in you can see, I cannot get there because I'm crippled. But that's not the question that Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? So Jesus told him, take up your mat and walk. And the guy stood up, took his mat and walked. Then he met the Pharisees. These guys were very legalistic. Wait, 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 wait. You are not meant to carry a mat on Sabbath. 
As in, they, they missed the point. <laughs> that this guy, for 38 years, he could not walk and now he's walking. But to them, it was like, wait, you're, carrying a, you're not meant to carry a mat on the Sabbath. So they totally missed the point. So the cripple tells them, um, or, or the guy formerly known as the cripple tells them, that the guy who healed me, who told me to uh, stand up and walk, told me to carry the, the mat. So they asked him, then who healed you? Unfortunately, he did not know. He had no idea who healed him. So many a times, like Jacob, that, that limp is there to remind us that it is God, that we have to rely on God. If it is taken away at times, it, when things are taken away and things go away, we tend to forget, to forget God. And there are times that the Lord will allow some things to be in our lives to be a kind reminder to us that we rely on God. Paul too had something similar. Paul prayed. He had something that they referred to as the thorn in the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I know it's a difficult thing to hear. I know that. But God, God sees the bigger picture. Our life on earth is just uh, like a dot compared to eternity. God is more interested in our eternal hope than at times in our earthly comfort. Sometimes we have to go through some difficult things because of the eternal hope that God has set out for us. He sees the bigger picture. Now, when, when you were small, probably uh, you were oblivious of time. Like when you were such an age, at times you were oblivious of time. You know? At times my daughter asked me, tomorrow is tell her Monday. Monday for? <laughs> then tomorrow is... So, and at times she asked even for the time. Tell her 6.30. 6.30? Like, she has no clue what 6.30 is about, but, <laughs> but as you grow older, you start to get a, a grasp of what this time is. Then, after a while, you're like, Ay, this day has passed really fast. Then you'll notice as you get older, you're like, hey, this week, it was Monday, it's already now Friday. Then, after a while, you're like, Ay, it was Christmas, it's already Christmas again. As in time, as you move, as you become older, time seems to be moving faster, and faster. And that is it. The more you have a bigger picture, the more you're able to see these things are very fine. So imagine God has a view of eternity. So whatever our lives are on earth, oh, it's just a brief, it's just a dot of what God has in store for us. So at times he'll allow us to pass through stuff for the greater good of our eternal life. Amen? And, and as a parent, you know, you do the same with your children. Like, my, my daughter loves ice cream. So imagine if I gave her what she wanted every day. Where would she be right now? She'd have been messed up right now. And at times we struggle to try and give her grains. Like, I, I don't want boga. I don't want boga. Yeah? And at that point she looks at us, the parents, and she must think, these guys don't love me. 
these guys don't love me. But because we know that we have a bigger view, a bigger picture, we are able to make those decisions for her that will be for her good. At that point, she might not understand it. And at times, we go through stuff that we don't understand. But God is allowing it for our good. Now, let's go back uh, to our friend uh, Jacob. We say that Jacob had a favorite son. Uh, Genesis 37 verse 4 says, When his brothers saw that their father loved Jacob, uh, Joseph more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And, and I think what I want to pass in this message as I come to a close is actually something that Morao was sharing before about the, your lecture. Yeah, that uh, you might go through something difficult. At that point, you don't understand. But later, you're like, ah, now I see why I had to go through it. So these guys, the brothers, planned to kill Joseph because of the hatred they had, because the father showed favoritism. But they ended up selling him as a slave in Egypt. We've read this story. Joseph goes through a crazy time there. From being in a prison, he ends up being the prime minister in a foreign land. Later on, there's a severe famine. Severe famine. And Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to look for food. And who, they, who do they find as the ruler there? It's their brother, Joseph. Those days, there were no social media, so they must have thought that they had died. According <laughs> to Facebook, this guy is living a good life in Egypt. So they must have thought that by now this guy is dead. But they go there and discover he's actually second in command. However, Joseph saves them from starvation. So God transformed their evilness into something very good. And in hindsight, we are able to understand this is the reason why Joseph had to end up in Egypt to save his own family. If he had not gone to Egypt, these guys would have been wiped out by that family. We all know how the story of how Egypt started keeping uh, reserves. It was all because of uh, Joseph. And I think verse 20 of chapter 50 summarizes basically what we've been going through uh, this month. Because we've been seeing that it's like humans keep choosing evil and it always seems like they're screwing up God's plan and turning back to evil. But God still keeps his promise and God still uses them. This verse says, you intended to harm me. This is Joseph telling his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Amen? God still uses this dysfunctional family to restore humanity back to himself. So this, these sons of Jacob, they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And from them, Jesus is born, the genealogy. And you know, Jesus came and saved the whole world. Jesus, God kept his promise and he saved humanity, including you and including me. And as we've been saying in this day and age, you and I are the people that God is using to rescue the entire world, the entire earth, to bring him back to God. God is in the business of reconciling people back to him. If you read the Bible from Genesis, you discover that it's like a love story. God loves us, sin separated us from God, and God is trying to get us back to him. And he'll use his people, you and I, to accomplish that.
Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at your bunny house off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.